Lord, prepare me. Come on. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Say, Lord, prepare me, Lord, prepare me. Sanctuary. Sanctuary. For you. For you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome.
to Thursday night Bible study. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see all of you. I'm grateful to be among the people of God. Amen. I'm encouraged in all that God is doing. I believe God is doing some amazing things and we need to be encouraged about what God is doing. I'll say this real quick. And I want you to take a hold of this and run with it. I need you to become more hands-on in your church. I need you to show uh, more. Ownership is not the word because we know we're not the owner of the church. But we know that we are the church. And so we need to act like uh, we all have the same right. Oftentimes, people are in the church, and we make it seem like uh, some people have more rights or rights to what's going on in the church than others. If you are saved, if you are born again, you are a part of the church, and it means that you have the right of everyone else. Nobody has more right than the other person who is born again of the water and of the spirit. We're all the church. 
And so I want for you to begin to act like you have that right and begin to undertake some things in the church to say, let me handle that or bring some things up for discussion so we can move forward because there's a lot of things coming down the pike and we all need to grab a hold of something and run with it like, you know what, I've got this covered because it's your church as it is my church, as it is someone else's church. Nobody has ownership of this church. The church belongs to Jesus, and we're a part of his church. We all have different offices that we operate in, in the church, but none of us have any more right than the other person. That's the truth there. So don't feel less than at any point when you are a part of this church especially. Don't feel less than anyone. All of us that are faithful, born-again believers have the same right in the church. Is there an order to the church? Sure, there's an order, but we don't. no one has any more right than the other person. So let's behave that way and begin to take a hold of some of the things that God has placed in your heart to take a hold of so you can be what God wants you to be in his church. There's a whole lot going on. And in my mind as I was walking up here, I said, God, this is your church. And there's a lot that's going on. And I know I can't do it all. And so I need you to speak to your people. To get them to realize that they're just as important in this thing as I am. There's nobody more important than the other. Did you know there's no one more important than the other? I know we come in and say, well, the preacher preaches. Guess what? If I drop dead tomorrow, God will get another preacher to preach. I'm not crazy to think that I'm more important than anyone in this place. God placed me in this office to lead, but he can replace me in a second. And it's like that with every one of us. Every one of us that's a part of the church, it's the same way. If he call you home tomorrow, guess what? He'll have somebody else sitting in your chair the next day. So let's act like this is our church and we all have responsibilities in our church. And we need to make sure we grab a hold of those responsibility and carry out what God instructed us to do. Amen. Um, don't forget our clinic that we're having this Saturday. Um, I got word from them today. They will be here at 8:30 Saturday morning to set up and get ready. So please, if you are going to be a part of helping our clinic this Saturday, come at 8:30. Let's make sure we can be of assistance to the Hamilton Healthcare Department, who is the host of this clinic. And we are just accommodating them. And so let's come and do everything that we can to make this clinic a success. They are bringing um, the J&J vaccine, the, the Moderna vaccine. And if you want Pfizer, we, we can get you Pfizer in, in a short while because there's a clinic in Hamilton that our uh, health care department in this township utilize. And so they can get you Pfizer if you would like. So invite people to come out who need a vaccine, a vaccination. Um, today, I was just talking. Today was a very busy day, by the way. 
I was talking to a gentleman by the name of Victor Stursky. Victor Stursky. Victor is a guy that's with a um, organization that's called Kufi, Christians United for Israel. This was the guy that organized the trip that I went on in 2014 to Israel. And they they want to make sure that Christians stand with Israel and support Israel. So whenever what they do from time to time is they sponsor trips to Israel at a very low cost for pastors only. I'm sorry. Um, At a very low cost um, for you to go to Israel. And so I was on the phone with him today and, and I told him to send me an email so I can send it out to the pastors in this district to see if any of them would be interested. Because I think you can't go a second time. Of course, I was trying to twist his arm. Victor, I'm, I'm here. If you'd like me to, you know, help arrange something. I mean, and that make me get in there a second time. I'm good, Victor. And so we talked for a little bit. But here is um, really what I was um, I wanted to share with you. One of the requirements to go on this trip is. You need to be vaccinated. I'm okay with anyone that says "Uh, vaccine, not for me. I mean, you have your right. But I will tell you this. It will slow you down from getting around if you are one that likes to get around. So if you're not vaccinated, you're going to have to be local. Because if if you want to travel overseas, they're going to start requiring vaccination um, for you to travel. So... Just something to think about as, you know, we try to go back to the way things used to be. We'll never be the same again because they're going to require vaccination um, for us to travel. You know, I say for all those that um, believe in the conspiracy theory about, you know, government and stuff, I will always tell you this. I've been living in this world for a little bit. And one thing I know for sure, anytime there's a conspiracy just see where the money is leading to because that's the conspiracy always is who is getting the money. Don't ever forget that. Whatever you might think is behind anything. It's always about money. So your question, if you think the vaccination is a conspiracy, ask yourself, how does it work with them trying to get money? Because that's really what it comes down to. If they trying to kill us all, they're not going to have no money. If the vaccine is something that's made up to to kill us all, they're not going to have money. Because if they kill half the world or a third of the world, the money goes way down. So that's not the reason I don't believe. And as I like to say, I sent you guys a video, the leadership, a video about that. And what I will say is um, we have taken vaccination way before this one. And I am not crazy enough to, to, to not understand that. With all that we've learned, the Bible says knowledge will increase as the years go on. And I'm not crazy enough to think that we are not smart enough to develop a vaccine in a year. Now, you might want to think that. But if you know all the stuff that's out there that we're doing, that's small, small potatoes. The stuff that we're doing, small potatoes compared to developing a vaccine within a year's time. Uh, If you want to have conspiracy, I'll give you one conspiracy. 
they may have been developing the vaccine long before Corona came because there are people that understood that the biggest detriment to society was going to be this kind of infectious virus. They knew that because people were talking about that years before. So they might, these scientists might have had some stuff already in the works. We just didn't know. So I'm just giving you all of that just in case you're concerned about getting the vaccination. And then the final thing I will always tell you, pray. And if God say don't take it, then don't take it. If God said leave it alone, then leave it alone. All right. So I want you to know that. But if you don't hear from God, you're on your own. If you pray and say, God, should I take this vaccination or not? And he doesn't talk to you. Guess what? You're on your own, so you can't say God, say don't take it. Don't lie on God. Get yourself in trouble when you lie on God. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand and let's go before the Lord in prayer. Also, we have outreach this Saturday morning, 930. We'll, um, once we get them set up and established here for the clinic, then some of us will go out and pass out tracts and take some of these with us. Um, if you would like to be here and help to pass out um, one of our sisters in the, in the church came up with a really great idea because she's been part of a clinic already. And so she suggested that if you want to help in distributing these um, flyers, you can come. And we have a five-point intersection out here. We can always encourage people to come inside if they have not been vaccinated yet to come inside and get vaccinated. And we give them one of these flyers. And if you need a flyer tonight to take with you, a couple to take with you, see us. We can give you a couple flyers to take with you. As you promote our clinic for Saturday, so people will know they can come and be vaccinated right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, the only thing I got to say before I start praying, I, I'm going to mess with um, um, Brother Scarlett, Brother D a little bit because um, the Sixers. What happened to the Sixers? I don't know why. Brother Scarlett. Well, you didn't pay, so don't worry about it. Because if, if if you would have paid, you should ask back for your money. Amen. Twenty-six point lead dissipate. Sixers lose after they were winning by six twenty-six points. Yeah, brother Jackson, your Sixers. No point on brother. I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna make it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight in our Bible study, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to be gathered together again in your name. Lord, we're here tonight understanding that we need your teaching. We need your instructions, Lord God. We need to learn of you. We need to know you. And Lord God, when we come to these meetings that you have established, Lord God, our, our church services, our Bible studies, we come, Lord God, open with open heart to say, Lord, will you impart to us the engrafted word of God? Will you impart to us your spirit, Lord God? Father, we want nothing to come between us and you tonight. We want nothing to be a hindrance to us, O oh God, experiencing the presence of the Lord, having fellowship with the Spirit of the Lord, and allowing the Word of God to go into our heart, into our mind, into our spirit. 
We want your will to be done here tonight, Lord God. We want change to come to our life, Lord God, because we're studying your word. But more than just studying your word, Lord God, we will live your word. Because, God, we want to one day, Lord God, see your face. We want to come face to face with you, Lord. One day, Lord God, we want to be able, oh God, to know that we will be in all eternity with you, Lord God. And so tonight, Father, I ask that you have your way in this service, Lord God. For those that have joined us, Lord God, via online, Lord God, our online congregation, I pray that there will be a move of your spirit upon them in a special way and that, God, nothing will hinder them. I pray, almighty God, that you will bring them to an attention even now, Lord God, that there will be no distraction, Lord God, that the Spirit of the Lord will begin to minister even now, that the power of God will come upon us even now, that, Lord God, we will be free in the Spirit to respond, oh God, by the power and by faith and in obedience, I pray that there will be a move of your Spirit, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh God, allow us to be clay in your hand, Lord God. Will you mold us tonight, Lord? Will you make us and shape us, Almighty God? Will you have your way, Lord God, according to your will and purpose? Not our will, but your will be done. Lord, we submit to you. Not our will, but your will, Lord God. Have your way tonight, Lord God. Strip us, Lord God, from everything that is a hindrance, Lord God, and move upon us in a special way. Will you speak, Lord God, as we can hear, Lord God? Allow me to be your oracle tonight, Lord God. For God, I don't have any ability except for the ability that you will give me. I cannot speak words of eloquence, Lord, except you allow me to speak according to your will. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray you will allow me to speak as your oracle, rightly dividing your word of truth, Lord God, and let the hearers of the word of God hear what the Spirit is saying unto them, Lord. Let the word of God be imparted into their heart, into their spirit, that change will come to every one of us. Lord, your word will go out and accomplish that which you wanted to accomplish. Let it be so, Lord God, in this place tonight. God, if you will, let there be a move of your spirit where there will be signs, wonders, and demonstration. We pray and ask you these things tonight in the wonderful name, in the glorious name, in the matchless name, in the heavenly name of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Somebody just wave and tell him you love him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Somebody just wave and tell him I love you, Jesus. Somebody just wave and tell him thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, I will do whatever you want me to do, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. One more time, clap unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We had a wonderful family Zoom meeting on Tuesday. I was glad I was glad to see everyone. And it's always great when we get good participation. And we had great participation in our Tuesday night family Zoom meeting. Amen. Appreciate everyone. Hallelujah. James chapter 4, verse number 1. James chapter 4, verse number 1. We will still be discussing prayer. We've talked about so many different prayers in Scripture, and we have um, rightly divided the word where you will have understanding and examples of prayer, what God expects of us, how we should pray, what we should pray. Prayer is essential. The other day when, when we went to the funeral, there was a big sign above us that says, prayer is the key. Amen. And I agree with that. Prayer is the key. James chapter one, chapter four, verse number one says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because you ask not. Ye ask. And receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. A whole lot going on here. <laughs> One of the things I'll point out to you that might not go so far into the teaching tonight is this. Physical fighting or even verbal fighting among ourselves usually comes from the lust that's deep within us, whatever that lust is. Unfortunately, whenever we hear lust, we only think sexual lusting. But lust, it, 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 there's so many dimensions of lust. You can lust for material things. You can lust uh, after a good education. You can lust after a nice car. You can, you can lust for a whole lot of things. So lust doesn't just pertain to uh, sexual things. And all fighting and war usually comes from lust somewhere deep down, somewhere deep down. We'll get into that a little bit. Oftentimes, we hide our internal battles under the disguise of spirituality. We've got internal battles, internal battles going on deep down in us and somebody say hey how are you doing ah you know god is good i've been praying you know god is just directing me and and sometimes we're battling internally i wonder what will happen one day if somebody you say to somebody um, they ask you, how are you? And you said, a lot of battles going on, man. A lot of battles. I'm battling. I'm battling in my heart. I'm battling in my mind. I wonder uh, how we would respond to that. Because 
we probably can assume that every time we ask someone, how are you doing? We probably can just assume, go ahead and assume that they're battling. We better take that under advisement that every person in here is battling in their mind. And sometimes what happens is some people lose the battle or temporarily lose the battle and others keep battling and they, you know, win the battle little by little. Or, you know, they, 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 they are able to move forward, but everyone is battling. There's nobody that's not battling. You're battling. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we hide our internal battles under the disguise of spirituality. We are like Miriam and Aaron, Moses' brother and sister, who complained about Moses' wife. They complained about Moses' wife, but really the real problem was that they was envious or not in in approval of Moses' authority. I learned a long time ago from my own personal life that usually what we complain about is not the real issue. Oh, boy, you're not going to help me tonight. Everybody's going to stay quiet tonight, huh? All right. Well, I'll just, I'll just enjoy myself in this and let the Lord help me tonight. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. I'm teaching to myself. So if you don't want to get involved and amen me and tell me that's true or that, oh, help us preach. You don't want to do that. That's fine. I'm just going to be all here by myself and let the word of God help me. Because I need the word. I don't know what you need, but I need the word. (laughs) And so, and so Miriam and Aaron told Moses, yeah, why you got that wife? We don't like that wife. You know what I mean? But that wasn't their real issue. Their real issue was that I, I, I can't believe God is using him like this. I mean, he, he Moses, he our brother. Eh, come on now. So we normally complain about something else that's not the real issue. So when somebody's complaining, a lot of times you got to realize there's something more to what they're saying. What they're saying is not everything. And if you're a man, man, and you married you to a woman and she complained about something, sometimes you got to stop and say, all right, baby, tell me the real issue. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to tell you, but I'm just saying you can use that sometimes. <laughs> How about uh, James and John who, who, who asked Jesus uh, to, to, to let them sit on the throne? They wanted recognition, but they went to Jesus to ask Jesus to put them in a spiritual position. But really what they wanted was just recognition. What we usually talk about is usually not the issue. The issue is usually hidden under the surface and we're battling in our mind. We're battling in our heart and we won't say a word that we're battling and we just go around passing it off as we're spiritual. God is good. Uh huh. Selfish desires are dangerous. Church, hear me tonight. If you miss a whole lot of what I'm getting ready to say, don't miss this. Selfish desires are dangerous. 
When your desires are selfish because what you want only takes care of you, you are in a dangerous place. Mm -hmm. Selfish desires will lead to wrong actions. Selfish desires will even lead to wrong praying. When selfish desires is at work, you will begin to do wrong things and pray wrong things or the wrong way. Somebody say amen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When we pray and we have selfish desires, we don't receive what we think we should receive because of our motives. Mm-hmm. That's what, that, that's what we don't realize, that while I may not know your motives, while your good friend may not know your motive, while somebody that you talk to all the time may not know your motive, God Almighty knows your motive, and he's the one that answers prayers. He's the one that give a response to prayers or give no response. So when you pray with the wrong motive, God will not respond to those prayers. And selfish desires when you pray is a wrong motive. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. When you have wrong motives, you're praying for things so you can spend it on your pleasures. When you have wrong motives and you're praying, selfish motive, you're praying for God to bless you with something so you can use it as your own pleasure. Mm Mm-hmm. When our praying is wrong, our whole Christian life can become wrong. It has been well said that the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. Prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven. Prayer is to get God's will done on earth. So when you're praying, you're really praying for God's will to be done here. That can't be selfish. Because the key word, God's will, not your will. Your will be done, Lord. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. People are at war within themselves because of selfish desires, which causes them to be unhappy. All right. There's a lot of unhappy people in Christ. There's a lot of unhappy people in church. If you are born again of the water and of the spirit, and if you are living according to the word of God, you should never be walking around with a snarl. You should never be walking around with with like you've been baptized in lemon juice. You should never be walking around like everything is wrong and the world is against you and you can't catch a break. You should never be walking around without a smile if you've been born again of the water and of the spirit and living according to the word of God. Because you know, no matter what happens, I've got a sure thing. Ahead of me, waiting on me, and what do I have to worry about? Because I'm telling you, the longer I live for God, the more I say, God, I'm looking forward to you. 
coming for us or us coming to you. However you want to look at it, Lord. I'm looking for that more than anything else. Because the longer I live, the more I realize there is nothing here for me. There is nothing here for me. You know what's here for me? So hopefully I can live an exemplary life of Christ that can help some people see Christ, know Christ, live for Christ. But other than that, there is nothing else here for me because I am not so, listen to this, this is, this is, this is very important. I love my family. I love this church family. I love people. But guess what? If they're not going to make it to heaven, that, that doesn't sit well with me. So my life lived is to hopefully help other people get to heaven because that's all that is left in this world. The only reason why the Lord hasn't come back yet is because he's given us grace to get right so we can be saved, be born again of the water of the spirit so one day we can be saved. He is not waiting to come back because of any other reason. He's waiting to come back to give us the opportunity and the time needed to get saved. It's about people. It's not about anything else. But it's not just about people. It's about people getting saved and spending eternity with Christ. That's all it's about. So other than all y'all that I love, I don't have anything else here. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing here. Nothing. You can't enjoy life if you allow fighting to be inside of you going on and your selfish desires are winning over the things of God. If we have all this internal stuff going on and we don't deal with it, we really will be unhappy. Instead of us being thankful for the blessings that we have, we complain about the blessings we do not have. A lot of times we want to look around and worry about what we don't have as opposed to looking around and see what we do have. We cannot get along with other people because we're always envying others for what they have. And what they are doing. And we're looking, having a hard time because within us, we've got these lustful desires that are not being met. And we claim we went to God and we prayed. And why isn't God doing anything about it? And God has sent me here tonight to tell you because you have a lust thing going on in your life. And you're not even worrying about God's will. You're just worrying about what you want. And so what you're praying is really not prayer. You have a lust of things that you want or things you want to do, and you're just trying to get them. We're always looking for that magic something that will change our life. When the real problem is within our heart. Some people, I'm telling you this. We can come to church and want a miracle from God. And I believe God withhold miracles from us sometimes because we just only wanted the miracle to please our flesh. Because what are we going to do when God give us that miracle? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we use prayer as a mask to hide our desires. Mm-hmm. We sometimes say, pray with me. And the stuff that we're saying pray with me about, 
is really selfish, but you pass it off to your fellow brothers and sisters like it's something spiritual. I don't care how many brothers and sisters you have praying for you. If your motive is wrong, it ain't happening. And so a lot of times we will go to our brothers and sisters and say, hey, you know, I have this thing here. Can you pray for me? Ask God to just, you know, we want to pray together. Touch and agree. Touch and agree about what exactly? What exactly are we touching and agree on? Did you spit it to make it look spiritual when really deep down it's not spiritual? It's something that you're desiring, lusting after, but you spun it like it's spiritual. Listen, we can spit it with each other, but guess who we got to go to and ask for it? And he knows your heart. Mm-hmm. Instead of seeking God's will, Sometimes when we go to pray and we go to seek God and talk to God, instead of seeking God's will, we tell God what he's supposed to do. You ever hear some people pray telling God what he's supposed to do? Uh-huh, uh-huh. We tell God that he's supposed to do this and we tell God he's supposed to do that. And guess what? And then we get angry at him if he does not obey us. What kind of God would you be serving that you tell what to do? And he says, okay. What kind of God are you serving? Because I don't want no God like that. Because it really just means I'm my own God. And he's giving me what I want. So we get angry at God when we tell him what to do and he doesn't do it. And eventually we get angry at people. And that's why sometimes we can walk around the church and be mean and nasty and angry and unhappy because all we ever do is go to God telling him what to do. And sure enough, God is going to tell you right now, nobody tells me what to do. I'm God Almighty. I got this thing all worked out. I created the ending before the beginning. I'm the first and the last. I am omnipotent. I'm omnipresent. I'm, I'm, I'm omniscient. You're going to come to me and tell me what to do? Where were you when I stretched forth the heavens all by myself? Where were you when I hung the morning star and created the mountains and the seas? Where were you? And now you want to tell me what to do? That's, that's what we do sometimes when we pray. We go tell him what to do. You do not have. I do not have. Because we do not ask God the way we should. The scripture is addressing those who are lusting instead of praying. The scripture is addressing those who are scheming. Now, now check this out. We may be saying words like we're praying. So don't, don't think you're just sitting there doing nothing. There's some that's sitting there doing nothing, not praying. But there's some that's saying words, but they're not praying. They're lusting, scheming, and, 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 and have fighting going on within themselves. And, and they're not seeking God for what they are lusting after. Mm-hmm. And so, there are, there are some levels to this. There are some levels to this when, when, when you're lusting and scheming and fighting for stuff. There's, there's some levels to that, and you have to be careful. By not praying, we ignore God. We demonstrate a lack of regard for his presence and power to help us. 
By not praying, we lack godly wisdom because we refuse to ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. By not praying, we lack what we really need because we didn't rely on God. Instead, we depended on our desires. And those was the thing that guided and just overtook us. Listen to this. I can attest to this. Maybe you can too. Fulfilled desires don't usually satisfy at the level of advertisement. I'll say that again. Fulfilled desires don't usually satisfy at the level of advertisement. This might be me, just me. But sure, I remember we heard about the Grand Canyon for a long time. I finally got the chance to go to Arizona and go to the Grand Canyon. When I got there, I said, what is this? I'm looking around like, what is this? Why are people going crazy for this? To me, really, it's no different than being in a mountain and looking down the valley. I'm just saying. I mean, you people were taking helicopter rides going down. I'm like, yeah, that's like being in the mountain and walking all the way down the mountain, going down in the valley, looking back up. It's the same kind of thing to me. So when I was done seeing the Grand Canyon, I'm like, okay, I saw the Grand Canyon. It wasn't as advertised. I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. That's just the Grand Canyon. There's a whole lot more things in my life that I thought I was getting this. And I was like, man, yes. And when I finally got him, like, oof, that didn't live up to the billing. You all laughing at, I hope you laughing at me and laughing at yourself too. Because you know you had some situation in your life that it didn't live up to the billing, man. You thought this was going to, this was going to be amazing. And it was going to be so outstanding. And you pursued it until you got it. And you was like, really? Okay, okay. <laughs> Listen, very few things, and I might go as far as to say, probably nothing in this world will ever satisfy you. I think that's God's secret weapon to draw us. His secret weapon is he to draw us. He is never going to allow us. When he designed us, however he did that, when he blew his breath into us, however he did that, he did it so nothing in this world could ever satisfy us. And the only satisfaction and contentment we will ever get would come from him. I think he did it on purpose. But it was done out of love. Because he's trying to draw us to him because he loves us so and he is going to make sure that we're taken care of. So I believe he might have done that and he did it out of love that nothing in this world could ever satisfy us. Only Jesus could ever satisfy us. Only Jesus could ever make us content. And so we're searching all the world. We're searching out everything we can search out. We're looking everywhere. We're doing everything that we can to, to go after the desires we have. And when we finally get them, we start to say, we might not tell people sometimes, but we, in our own mind, this is the fighting that's going on within us. We, in our own spirit, in our own heart, the fighting. Man, I thought, um, 
And I've learned that. I think at the age where I am, I've, I've learned that. The other day, now I'm letting into my innermost thoughts. Coming from work, I'm sitting on a train from Philadelphia, and I ride the West Trenton line. And I love that, that, that line because there's a lot of nice houses, not a, a lot of nice communities that it drive through. If you catch the, the one on, um, that goes out of Trenton, no good, no bueno. You don't see nice things there. You know, you see Bristol and stuff, but I'm sorry, Bristol people. But, 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 but I'm just saying, when you, catch the, the, the bus, when you catch the train that leaves Trenton to go into Philadelphia and, and, and uh, you don't get good view, but you catch that West Trenton line and, man, you, you drive through some places called Rydal. You drive through some places called Meadowbrook. I mean, some nice places. You look around and say, you know, you, even Newtown. I mean, um, is it, is it, no, Yardley, Yardley, Yardley. You drive through Yardley, you're like, whoa, these houses. And so the other day I'm sitting on the train and I, I look, I saw a big backyard, nice deck and house laid out. And I'm like, ooh, that's a nice house. But reality hit me and says, what I want that for, though? I'm just telling you me. I said, what do I want that for, though? And I started thinking, and I said, and this is what I said to myself because of my experience with getting things that I want and then realize, oh. And so I said, if I get it, I can see, like, after, like, a year, I'm like, no big deal. Start looking over my neighbor's house. What they got that I, I need? You see what I'm telling you? We do that. And so you, you, you might think, all right, I need a nice house like that. All of a sudden, you pursue it. You do what you got to do because this is America. You do what you got to do and you get that nice house like that. And all of a sudden now, after a year, you're like, uh. And now you're looking next door to see what they're doing so you can figure out what you're doing. If it was so good, why are you looking next door? If it, was, if it satisfied you just the way you need to be satisfied, why, why are you looking around? Why are you still, I need to do this to the house and I need to do that to the why are you still doing that? Apparently, it didn't satisfy you. Apparently, when you walked through that house, on the, when, the, when they had the show and, and you looked around and you checked everything out, it wasn't enough. Because if it was, you would have never did anything else to it. You would have just walked right, went right in, and that was it. All she wrote. But we can never be satisfied because nothing else satisfies us in this world, only Jesus Christ. You don't have what you desire because you don't desire the things of the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. Until we look at all of life, including our strongest desires, from the perspective of God's plan and priorities for us, our life will be constantly hounded by the awareness that we don't have this and we don't have that. Until we seek the kingdom and pursue the kingdom, no matter what we have, we will always look around and realize what we don't have. Oh, that's a fact. But when you pursue the kingdom of God, you might be too ignorant to know what you have and what you don't have. Church, can I tell you, when you truly pursue the kingdom of God, you have no clue what you have and what you don't have. You just know I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm pursuing the kingdom and whatever he allowed me to be a part of, whatever he allowed me to do, I have no clue what it's all about. I have no clue how it fits all in in the big picture. He knows, but I may not know. 
And I love that about the kingdom. Maybe that's why some people are challenged in seeking the kingdom because they need to know how is it working out for them. I don't need to know how it's working out for me. I remember when I learned how to pray, I blew my mom's mind. She didn't know I was, well, she knew I was going to church early morning, Brother D, and I was going up to church early morning, and we used to go up early in the morning and pray. And I don't know how I learned how to pray. I just know I just gave, and I started praying. And one morning she decided, yeah, I'm going to come with y'all early. And she came, and man, we were praying up a storm that morning. She said to me when we were driving back home, when you learn how to pray like that? I didn't even realize I was praying like that. So somebody had to come tell me I was praying like that because I had no clue. All I know is the kingdom has come and I'm just doing what I can and taking my part in the kingdom. I don't know what's going on. And when you get that right motive, when you get locked in because you want to please God and you just want to do the work of the kingdom, you just can't even believe and understand where you're going and what's going on. You don't know. I can't tell you who did, who just gave me told me about that. I talked to people that I don't talk to in a long time, and they would tell me, you remember when you prayed and this happened? You remember? I said, I, I have no clue. I don't take credit. I, when, people, when people tell me what I prayed and laid hands on them and this happened and that happened, I don't remember a lot of those things. And, I don't, and they, say, they say, you remember? I said, no, nah, no. Nah. I said, that happened? Really? Okay. All right. I hear a lot of stories that I was involved in. I had no clue the outcome, how it was going, because when you are seeking the kingdom, it's almost like you're blind to everything else. You don't know anything but Jesus. You're just looking forward and moving forward because you just want to please him. And whatever he allows people to see, that's what he allows people to see. But that's when your motives your lustful desires are not driving you. When you're being driven by the purpose of the kingdom, it changes everything. And you won't know where you're going and you won't know when you get there. Only place you don't know when you get there is heaven. But as long as we're here in the earth doing the kingdom business, you won't know where you, where you are and how far you've gone and what you're accomplishing because only God knows that. But when you know where you're going... Every once in a while you look back when you seek the kingdom and all you can say is, how did I get here? How did I get here? I mean, all of you can say that tonight. I mean, for, for, for many of us, I mean, Thursday night, 815, beautiful summer night. How did I get here? <laughs> Sometimes you got to look at that and say, how did I get here? And that's how you know God is real. Because you can't explain how did you get here. You cannot explain how you made a decision to be in here tonight as opposed to not being on your deck, Brother D, with your leg up and saying, bring me some lemonade there, Cheryl. (laughs) Can't explain it. That's what you're supposed to be saying. Bring bring me something out here, honey. And if you really want to go a little extra, put a couple of steaks and a couple of chicken breasts. You know, see how I'm nice? A couple of chicken breasts. You don't eat the steak like we do. So, so put a couple of steaks, a couple of chicken breasts, and she just bring out the lemonade. And y'all just sit on the deck and talk and all that stuff and, you know, just enjoy life. So we think anyway. So we think. Just sit there and enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The most common problem in prayer 
When we pray, when we pray, the most common problem when we pray is not asking. The most common problem when we pray is asking for the wrong things. The most common problems when we pray is asking for the wrong reasons. Do we talk to God at all when we pray? When we do, what do we talk to God about when we pray? What are you talking to God about when you pray? Oh, God, I don't feel good. God, I'm going through something right now. God, help my leg. Feel a little pain in my leg, Lord. God, I know I put my own self in debt, but I know you're Jehovah Jireh, Lord, that provide. Can you provide me a little extra money this week? Let a check come in the mail. <laughs> Let me give you a secret. Secret. When you pray for the check to come in the mail, Before you pray that prayer, do do a God on God. Talk to him about the ending before you go to the beginning. Listen to me what I'm telling you. So figure out what you're going to do with the check. That's going to be profitable to God and his kingdom. Then you go and pray for the check. Woo, you don't want to mess with me tonight. You don't want to mess with me tonight. So for instance, I want a nice house in a nice community. Here's the prayer. God, how many people do you have in that community that's saved? God, do they know you or because they loaded, they don't even go to church? Well, God, they need somebody to preach the gospel to them. God, they need somebody to shine your light in that neighborhood. So I tell you what, God, if you will work it out where you will give me a nice house in that neighborhood and allow me to finance to take care of it. I will make sure I let my light shine and I will make sure I go knock on each and every one of their doors and tell them who I am and tell them that I go to church and I would love to have them as my guests one day. And I will take stuff over to them, Lord, and give them nice gifts every once in a while and tell them how much you love them, Lord. If you give me that house in that expensive neighborhood, that's what I'll do, Lord. All right, y'all laugh. Okay, okay. I just gave you the key to get you a nice big house. Now, 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 hold on. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about this. But if you lying, if he know you're not going to knock on the door, if he know you're not going to bring the gifts, if he know you're not going to let your light shine, you're going to be praying and you're going to get mad eventually because he won't put you in that house. All right. Hope we clear on that. We clear on that? Okay. Do we only, do we only ask? God things in prayer to satisfy our own desires. You got to make sure that something out the deal. Talk to an attorney today because I seen a new property. And so I'm trying to work something. So I've been around enough to know people don't make deals where it's one sided. Nobody does that. Not no smart person anyway. 
And so I'm talking to the attorney. I says, how can we drop this contract so we both can gain from it? And so he says, here's what we can do, Wayne. I said, talk to me. And he ran it all down. I said, that sounds good. He gets something. We get something. He says, yes. I said, all right. I'll get the word out to the realtor and see how we can move forward, blah, 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 blah. He said, good. When, whenever you get to talk to them and they're okay with that, just let me know and I'll drop the contract for you and we'll move forward. Good. But the bottom line is, even in our natural world, if there's anything of value that we're talking about, it can't be one-sided. And so we try to go to God and make it one-sided. God, just hook me up with this. And God is saying, okay, what do I get out of the deal? Since I went to Calvary, since I've been doing the heavy lifting, what do I get out of the deal that you're asking me for? And a lot of times he gets nothing out of our deal. And we think God going to answer those prayers. He gets nothing and you get everything. Okay. He said in his word, we are laborers together with Christ. We are laborers together with Christ. And how unfair we would be where we want to get all the good stuff out of the labor and he just don't get anything or he just get trinkets or whatever you leave over him. There's a reason why he says a tithe. In case you don't know, you didn't know this was going to come in the lesson tonight. A tithe is not just 10% of your earning or your increase. A tithe is not just 10% of your earning or increase. A tithe is the first tenth of your earning and increase. God says, I don't want no second or thirds or leftovers. You give me mine off the top. We pray giving him leftovers, though. We pray leaving him trinkets, though. And we should learn from just understanding the principle in tithing that God want his off the top. And here's how I like to look at it a lot of times. When you get your paycheck, do the government give you your paycheck and then tell you to mail in your, your taxes? <laughs> do, you, do, you just get a, do you just get what they would call, um, um, not, not the net, the gross. Do you get the gross? And then there's a little, you know, thing written at the bottom says, uh, 20% is this sending in or 30% is this sending in or, you know, whatever. Is that how we get paid? Anybody get paid like that in here? So the government take their percentage, huh, in taxes. That's why I have no problem giving God the first tenth of my increase in my earning. Because if Uncle Sam ain't doing nothing for me here, we're not even going to touch the eternal because he can't. But if he ain't doing nothing for me here and he's taking what he wants, why wouldn't I give God my first tenth? With no problems, with no quarrels, with no thoughts. Will you want God temperate? No problem, dude. Here you go. All right. You didn't know you was getting that, but I'm glad I'm able to give you that tonight. Our prayers will become powerful when we allow God to change our desires so that they perfectly correspond with his will for us. 
So sometimes we have our desires. Sometimes we have things in our heart that we're battling and we're praying selfishly. But you got to go sometimes to God and say, God, I know what I'm thinking and what I want may be selfish. And so I need you to bend me to your will. Let me be bent to the will of God and not be caught up in what I want. We got scripture for that. Lord. If this cup can pass from me, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine will. So we have precedence for praying like that. You can have your own personal desires when, when, when you go to God, but I'm teaching you tonight that you got to drop that thing, though. You got to go to God and say, God, I realize that I have a personal agenda here. I realize that what I'm asking for is probably just going to be beneficial to me. And so I know that's not a proper prayer. So, Lord, I need you to take those desires out of my heart and put your desires in my heart. So I will pray the proper prayers, kingdom prayers that 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 me and you both will profit and benefit from. Not just me. Woo! big boy and big girl prayers. That, 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 That ain't no baby prayer. That ain't no IJ prayer. IJ prayer says, feed me, feed me, feed me. Change me, change me, change me. Come on, hurry up. That's, that's what the babies say. They, they want you to make sure you cater to them. That's what babies do. Not adults. Not adults. So let's not do the IJ. We're not IJ's age. First John 3 and 21, beloved. If our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God? So what is, what is this telling us? If your heart is not defiled and corrupt and got fighting, then guess what? We have confidence in what we're now getting ready to pray. Woo, help me somebody. Sometimes, sometimes we don't pray in faith because we're corrupt and defiled in our thinking and our lust, lustful ways. And so we want to go to God to pray, but so much is going on that we can't pray right. Well, the Bible is telling us if we will make sure our heart is right and get it cleansed and get it right, we can have confidence that what we're going to God to pray for, he will do it. Verse 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So here is what it's saying. If your heart is right, you can have confidence when you go to God in prayer. We sometimes do not pray in faith because our heart is defiled with lustful things. I'm finishing up here. Almost as bad as not asking is asking wrongly when you pray. Almost as bad as not asking is asking wrongly when you pray. If we misunderstand the correct use of prayer, we might not pray at all or we might attempt to manipulate God. When we pray, we must submit to God. Otherwise, we will not be answered by God. People should not be surprised when their prayers go unanswered because they often because they often ask. With wrong motives. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to get into this. But here is an example of asking with wrong motive. You ready for this? Not even AV got this. 
Luke chapter 15. This is not prayer, but we can utilize it as someone communicating with God in prayer. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the young, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So let's, let's picture this. We are that, 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 that prodigal son. And God is who he is. And we're going to God. God, just give me this. God, just give me that. And God say, fine. You, you, you want it? Here you go. And guess what? We were only sweating God and, and, and calling on God to give us something that we were just going to take and go waste it in pleasure. And a lot of times we don't realize that's what we're doing. We're praying for God to give us something so we can go use it for our own pleasure. That's what the prodigal son did. Father, father, give me my inheritance. He didn't take his inheritance and go build a nice house and start a family. He took his inheritance and go live riotous with it, uh, defiled and messed up. So he asked for what he wanted for selfish reasons, not for benefit. He didn't carry daddy's legacy on. He didn't ask for the money to say, you know what, dad, after you let me go, I'm going to go build a nice house over here and establish a nice farm. I'm going to go get me a nice wife and continue the family legacy. That's not what he took the money for. So when you put that in the same tense uh, as prayer, when you go to God to pray, what are you praying about? Think before you pray. Unexamined prayer can be consisted of cliches and wish lists. We must guard against the tendency to pray carelessly. Could our prayers be open to be corrupted or contaminated by bad motives? Yes, we can be praying and our prayers is contaminated because we have bad motives. We may barely notice when selfish desires contaminate our prayers. We pray so much in a selfish way that many times we're praying contaminated prayers, prayers that God will not answer because we just we're just locked in in praying, God bless me. God open this door for me. God provide for me. We're doing all this stuff asking God for us and not realizing, man, this is all about me. This is not this has nothing to do with God. This is just all my benefit. And we got to remember, God says that. He will take care of all your need. So when you're praying all those prayers, God is like standing there like, what do you want me to do? I already told you I will supply your needs. I will take care of your needs. But I need you to pray about the kingdom. I already told you that. So all the selfish prayers you're praying, what do you want me to do about it? While it's true that God gives us permission to ask for anything, we need to reexamine our requests from time to time, especially those that God does not grant. Ask yourself, why isn't God granting something I'm praying? When you're examining the process of why you're, you know, God hasn't granted you something that you've been praying for, check it out. Do I really need what I have asked God for? That's the examination process. Examine yourself. Whatever you're praying, do you really need what you're asking God for? 
when you're praying, ask, am I asking for special treatment from God? Are some of us praying, asking for special treatment, wanting God to do something for you that he doesn't do for nobody else? You want to hear something? I'm not going to stay on this because I'm done. There are people that when we start talking about salvation, they believe their salvation should be granted on special treatment. The Bible says God is just. And if God give you special treatment for you to be saved, guess what? Everybody else got to get that. So a lot of people like to ask, well, do I get saved if I do it this way? How do I get? The bottom line is, if you don't get saved according to the Bible, you're asking God for special treatment. Yep, that's quiet up in here. That's fine, but I'm going to give it to you straight. If you want to be saved, but you don't want to do it according to the Bible, you're asking God for special treatment. And my question to you tonight is, does God give any one of us special treatment or do we treat all of us the same? When you're praying, is it in the best interest of God's kingdom and his will that you receive your requests? When you're praying, what do I plan to do when God grant me the request that I've been making to him? What do I plan to do? And so I close. Prayers are not automatically answered with a yes from God. Although God gives many promises about the power of prayer, these promises hinge upon the attitude of the person praying. How? In tune is he or she with God when he prays because the attitude, prayer attitude, that's what's going to make the difference when you pray is the attitude. Prayer attitude, that's what's going to make the difference. So it's not about how you pray and, you know, you know, is there a proper way of prayer? No, it's the attitude that's going to make the difference. True prayer must express dependence on God, especially when we are praying for ourselves. Our attitude must be, your will be done, God. A selfish person cannot pray, God's will be done. And finally, in James chapter 5, the second portion of that scripture says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Attitude. Attitude. What's your attitude when you pray? What's, what's your attitude when you're praying? Is it self-centered? Is it selfish? Is it your lustful things that you have in your heart? Or is it according to the word of God? Or is it according to God's purpose? Or is it the word of God that you're praying? I don't understand sometimes where we are because I think that we want God to do what we want. And we don't realize that the day God do whatever you want, you're in charge, not God. When God start doing whatever you want, you're in charge, not God. However, if you will pray God's purpose, however, if you will pray God's will, 
However, if you would pray God's word, then you understand he is Lord of Lords and he is in charge and you're just submitting to his will for him to show you, open your understanding up to what he's doing so you can join in with him to do what he's doing. Will he bless you with material things? Yes. But he says, delight yourself in the Lord before he gives you material things. You know, I remember, staying with me, I remember um, um, Brother Weber had this lesson that he talked about. Uh, it goes deep into how God, um, you know, what he does in the life of his leaders. And one of the things that he talked about in that lesson, in that lesson is this, that sometimes you come into church and you see the pastor with a lot of stuff. The pastor have this, the pastor have that, the pastor have these things and all these things. And you look and says, man, what's up with that? I mean, he pastored in this church and people have need and he got this and he got that. And And what Brother Weber brought out is saying, you have no clue how long the pastor went with nothing before God blessed him with all that stuff. You have no clue what... The pastor went through what what hardship that pastor had to go through and God see him as a faithful servant now because God has said you have proven to me that you are delighted in me and me. I'm everything to you and you put all your trust and confidence in me. So guess what? Now that I know that that's how you are, I can trust you with everything because you will not let it rule you. And. The truth behind some leaders having a lot of, you know, things that you say, why they got all that? Sometimes it's just God's favor because that man or that woman of God have served God faithfully for many years. And God says, now that you're in a place where you can take care of these things and still not let them rule you or control you, I'm going to heat them up on you. Because really, as I told you before, when you get to a place where you start to see God bless you with stuff, You know the next move you can make? Start to give it away because you don't have time to attend to all that stuff. If you really, really desire to serve God and you delight in God and you want to be faithful in God, when he starts giving you a lot of, after a while you're like, listen, I I, got to start giving some of this because it's getting in my way. It's getting in my way of faithfulness. And so that's what you have to think about. So God will give you Plenty of things. God will bless you with all kind of stuff when you stay faithful to him. Before we pray, does anybody have any questions? Any questions from anyone about anything I said tonight or something that came up that you feel like you need to ask a question about anything? Yeah, she don't have any questions because her hands are full. (laughs) <laughs> you know, at work, you know, the job that I've been on, I've been there a long time. I've seen a lot of babies born. And one of the most interesting thing, you can't say it on a job because it's not politically correct. But one of the most interesting thing is watching women have babies. And then I think it's usually what six to nine weeks they get before they come back. And I watch them come back. And I just watched a little bit and I said, poor thing, because they can't do it like they used to do before. Their mind is all over the place and they're trying to stay focused. This one girl just had baby and she tried. I feel so bad for her. For a long time, we haven't given part time position in this in, in this one department. And this girl just had baby and came back and she tried her best. And she finally reached out to her supervisor and said, I'm just going to quit. 
And so I hit the supervisor up now. They were shocked when I hit him up. I said, listen, ask her if she want to work part time. And the supervisor said to me, we never do part time. I said, I know. I know. Ask her if she can work part time because I know I've seen it so many times. I've seen it so many years. So so when you have a baby, it just don't bounce right back that easy. There's so much to think about. You're at work working, but you're thinking about your baby, you know, and then if anything happens, I don't care if it's, you know, husband and wife at home. Mom just assumed the role of we got to take care of the baby. And so if anything happens, dad usually don't call out from work when something happens to the baby. You don't call out. Okay. So it's it's very funny and interesting when I watch when they have the baby, how it goes. Oh, man. Don't forget, give to our building fund tonight. There's a basket holder in the back. Amen. Give to our building fund. Let's pray before we get out of here. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you tonight for your word and for allowing us to come together one more time. God, I pray that the words that's been spoken here tonight will go into our heart. I pray, Lord God, that you will have helped us tonight to be better Christians, to, to know how to pray and pursue you, Lord God, to, to, to truly, oh God, allow the word, the scripture, Lord God, to take root into our heart, that Lord, we not, we not pray, you know, from our position of lust, we not pray from a position of ignorance, but Lord, that we will begin to pray by faith, Lord God, we will begin to pray according to your purpose, we will begin to pray according to the word of God. We will begin to pray, oh God, in obedience and submission to your will. Have your way tonight, Lord God, as we go from this place, as we, oh God, end our time of being together tonight. Let what the word of God says be engrafted in our heart and help us to become doers of your word and not just mere hearers. I pray that you raise us up individually and collectively as giants in the kingdom of God to do great things for the kingdom, to be an example, Lord God, and to lead a life, Lord God, that is right and pleasing, to be laborers together with you, Lord God. Bless our goings and our comings, will you, Lord, and help us to be everything you call us to be, Lord. I pray your will to be done, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll help us to have a successful, oh God, vaccine clinic. I pray that you will help us during our evangelism Saturday, that you will help us, Lord. And that your will be done, Lord God. We give you the praise and the honor. We thank you for all that you are doing. And we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your night.
And my shame is like 